0: Al Jazeera Podcast.
1: When Hugo Arroyo was deported to Mexico from the United States after 25 years, he was suffering from a heroin addiction.
0: I was using heroin, but now, heroin is too weak.
1: Now, Hugo takes fentanyl because, he says, it's stronger and makes it easier for him to deal with the distance from his family and the lack of job opportunities in Mexico. It is difficult to have families
0: so far away,
1: and I can't see them or help them. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid drug that's been linked to overdoses in the United States, and it's also plaguing the U.S.-Mexico border.
0: Many people, as soon as they use it, fall half asleep and don't wake up until 8 or 10 hours later. But thank God they wake up. There are some who don't wake up anymore. Fentanyl is highly addictive. Anywhere between 50 and 100 times more potent than morphine.
1: Fentanyl's high potency increases the risk of overdose. Even in small doses, it can be deadly. So why are people taking fentanyl? And what's being done to tackle the issue in Mexico? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Okay, let's start with an introduction. Why don't you give me your full name? Tell me where you are and what you do.
2: Well, my name is Alicia Fabregas. I'm a freelance reporter and photographer. And I'm from Barcelona, Spain, but I'm currently based in Tijuana, Mexico.
1: I'm talking to journalist Alicia Fabrigas. She wrote a piece about the effects of fentanyl on the city of Tijuana for Al Jazeera.com. What brought you to the fentanyl crisis?
2: Well, it's something that you can see here. It's, it's easy to see it in the streets, people using drugs. I was out to do grocery shopping in my neighborhood. And in one of the main streets of this neighborhood, I saw a man lying in the street unconscious. So she was not breathing. And it was during the morning, so there were more people. And the Red Cross was providing emergency care. And they gave him naloxone. That is a medication that reverses the effects of opioids. So he started breathing again. He was back to life. And the the emergency workers told him that he went into respiratory arrest after using drugs. And that maybe these drugs might have been mixed with fentanyl, but that they didn't have the tools to confirm what kind of substance it was. Mm-hmm. So I, I decided to start investigating and do this story.
1: So you witnessed what looked like an overdose on a main street in Tijuana, Mm -hmm. and that led you to want to explore this issue more. So let's start with what fentanyl is. Some people may know it as a pretty powerful synthetic opioid, a pharmaceutical drug that doctors might prescribe to someone to treat severe pain after, say, surgery or a medical procedure. How is it being used in Mexico?
2: There are two types of fentanyl in Mexico, in the U.S. and worldwide, and this is the legal fentanyl and illegal fentanyl. Mm. And this is a key difference because the first one, legal fentanyl, is prescribed by doctors in the U.S. and here in Mexico, and the second one, Mm. illegal fentanyl, is sold in the black market and is more dangerous and linked Mm. to more deaths, more fatal overdoses, because we don't know what it contains. This is mainly the difference also between the situation in the US and the situation here. Because in the US, it all started due to an excessive prescription for these opioids. And then people became addicted and began looking for fentanyl also in other places, not only pharmacies, but also in the black market.
1: People were given opioids to deal with issues such as chronic pain, but then they became addicted. Doctors have prescribed these medications, sometimes for legitimate reasons, and then the addiction comes afterwards.
2: But here, it was not like that. Here in Mexico, legal fentanyl is also used by doctors, but for very specific cases, not like in the U.S. So according to users and activists and harm reduction workers that I've talked to, it all started in the black market here.
1: Alethea says that people were buying fentanyl on the street and it was sometimes mixed with other drugs, a combination that can be fatal. And while fentanyl addiction and overdoses have long been a problem in the U.S., things have looked different on the other side of the border.
2: Here, the situation is quite new. So what users told me, and also harm reduction workers, it was, yeah, like a couple of years ago that it all exploded here, and they started seeing lots of overdoses. And one of the main problems, at least here in Mexico, is that sometimes they don't know how powerful this drug is. And sometimes they they use it as it was heroin, for example, or other substances. They use the same dose and that's what killed them. You
1: mentioned it being available on the black market, which is the problem. So when it's on the black market, do people know that they're getting fentanyl.
2: Here often it's mixed with other drugs or the drug users don't know what they are buying.
1: Fentanyl is evident here, but also hidden because many may not even know they're taking it. Given it's cheap to make, it's often mixed in with other drugs. Drug dealers found that mixing a little bit of illicit fentanyl into heroin could make their product much more potent.
2: Now there's more information and they know better. But like a couple of years ago or even one year ago, there was almost no information. So yes, users were buying fentanyl in the black market, but sometimes without even knowing what it was. So it would hit them and sometimes they would die because of lack of information. And that was one of the main problems here in Mexico.
1: What did activists tell you would be the reason it would be mixed in with other drugs?
2: Well... They say that this could be market strategy from drug cartels. So drug traffickers allegedly flooded the black market to get people addicted and spur demand here in Mexico. So in a way, they were using people to get more money.
1: Alicia talked to some fentanyl users in Tijuana. One of them is Hugo Arroyo, who you heard from at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> He was deported back to Mexico, and without his family or a job, he found himself in a difficult time.
2: So this happens with deported people sometimes. It gets really tough, the situation here, and sometimes they become addicted, or maybe they already were that it's the case with Hugo. He was addicted to heroin. And then here in Mexico, he started using fentanyl and became addicted to fentanyl because he says that it's cheaper and stronger. So he was living on the street, but now he's living and working with Preven Casa, the harm reduction organization. So his life is a bit better. And he's using, but not too much.
0: When they first brought it in, there was an epidemic, and everyone was overdosing.
1: Is the story of Hugo typical of the people you talk to who are taking fentanyl. What else do we know about who's taking it and who's overdosing?
2: According to the Red Cross, in the first half of this year, they responded to an average of nearly 70 overdoses a month in Tijuana, mostly involving men between the ages of 19 and 41.
0: Another call, this time a fentanyl overdose a fast drive through the city. The Red Cross carried the antidote to fentanyl poisoning, one of the most toxic drugs in the world.
2: And then also the health department reported that in 2020, around 10% of the users were women and 90 were men. And for what I've seen and what I've learned reporting on this issue, people that use fentanyl are mainly people living in the street. And some of them have been deported And they lost everything. They are alone here. And it's really tough for them. But there's not a lot of data about that yet.
1: So who's helping those affected by fentanyl addiction in Tijuana? We'll hear from them after the break. I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, a dramatized podcast from Al Jazeera. In this season, we hear from some of history's most notable women. An unconventional and extraordinary artist.
0: Me? I am Frida Kahlo.
1: A communist revolutionary.
0: Everyone in China knew my face.
1: You've heard of them. Now it's time you hear from them. Hindsight. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So Alicia, let's talk about the people trying to tackle this fentanyl addiction. Tell me about Prevencasa, the harm reduction group. What did people there tell you that they're trying to do?
2: So Prevencasa is located in the Red Knights district, where there is a lot of people living in the streets. They have been working with drug users for a long time here in, in Tijuana, and they use a public health approach to help people taking drugs, but also sex workers to reduce risks. And what they do is they organize workshops about fentanyl. They distribute health kits, naloxone, syringes, and other materials. And it has become like a safe place for the community. So drug users and sex workers know that if they have any problem, they can go there that they don't criminalize people, and they would have them.
1: But organizations like Prevencasa are becoming more and more rare.
0: One of the problems that we have with the current government in Mexico is that since 2018, uh, anything related to substance use has been dismantled. Uh, all the money for harm reduction in the country was caught.
1: That's Jaime Arredondo Sanchez-Lira. He's a research associate with Preben Casa.
0: This also included money for other research. So, for example, we don't have a national survey on substance use. The last one was conducted in 2016. And this has made it really difficult to try to understand where is the prevalence of substance use in many parts of the country.
1: Jaime says that budget cuts are interfering with treatment for overdoses and treatment with methadone, a drug used to help with narcotic addiction.
0: Unfortunately, right now in Mexico, we are experiencing the consequences of an international drug market, and we as drug producers have adapted to that. So, right now, we have many people who, because the government is no longer providing methadone, ended up into a more toxic drug market with fentanyl. This will lead to more overdoses, but also make it more difficult for people to try to quit. So we're of in the perfect storm, where we have a more toxic drug supply, less harm reduction, less resources for civil society organizations who help out with deal with substance use, and more stigma and fear against people who use drugs in the country.
1: Buenas tardes. A few months ago, the Mexican government released figures on opioid use and on overdose deaths. And it was in a press conference led by the president, Andres Manuel López Obrador.
2: Buenos días.
1: In it, the Undersecretary of Prevention and Health Promotion says,
2: Segunda, uh, imagen, la tabla, lo que there
1: were the 19 opioid-related deaths in Mexico in 2021. And that's down from 26 in, in 2020. What do activists and the harm reduction groups that you talk to, what do they say about these stats and how accurate they sound.
2: Well, they are not accurate at all because they are seeing overdoses almost every day. So that's very different from the numbers that the Mexican Health Department has. But in the same uh, media briefing, the uh, Mexican public health official, lopez Gáte, he also said that there might be some underreporting. And the truth is that there is. Last year, The forensic service in Baja California, that is where Tijuana is located, here in Mexico, launched a study that found that in Mexicali, that is the state capital, 250 bodies tested positive for fentanyl, which represents almost 25% of the total number they analyzed. So we can see that the data and the statistics are very different from these 19 deaths. Actually, the president said during a news conference
0: in Mexico, there's drug trafficking,
2: but fortunately,
1: knock
2: on wood, there's no consumption.
1: We know that cross border trafficking of drugs is a problem along the U.S. Mexico border in 2023. U.S. Customs and Border Protection data showed that seizures of fentanyl at the southwestern border with Mexico are up more than 21,000 pounds, or 9,500 kilograms, which is about 50% more than the previous year.
0: The amount of fentanyl smuggled into this country is
1: spiking. The amount of fentanyl seized so far is enough to kill over 30 million people. Who is doing the trafficking? And where exactly is it going to and coming from? What do we know?
2: Well, that's a very good question. It's difficult to know who is doing it, but a report said that they have identified four main routes for fentanyl trafficking. So one is starts in China, then Alaska, then the U.S. Another starts in China, then Canada, then, then U.S. Then also China and directly to the U.S. And then One starts in China or India and goes to Mexico and then to the US. Key ingredients from China are difficult to import directly into America, so Mexican cartels dominate production. The thing is that China and India is where the main chemicals are allegedly produced, and then these chemicals are sent here, where the drug cartels have the labs, and then the drug is distributed to the US.
1: So it's likely being sent to the United States, but along the way, fentanyl is being used in Mexico on its way there. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, that's right. Now it's also being used and being bought here in the black market in Mexico, at least in the Mexico border. I don't know about other parts of the country.
1: What was it like to report this story for you? And what did the people you spoke to tell you about the way forward with what sounds like a developing health crisis?
2: I think that it's already a health crisis because there's also a good business for drug cartels because production costs seems to be lower because since it does synthetic opioid, it can be produced in labs. So demand for fentanyl is growing and I don't see a reason why they would stop selling it or people would quit using fentanyl because it's also cheaper for them to buy it. People using drugs talk to me very openly about their stories and how they started using fentanyl and why they use it. There is a huge stigma, but people talk to me willingly because they want to fight against this stigma. And they usually have very difficult lives, they end up in the streets. And they want to describe their situation because they want people to know that it can happen to anyone. I mean, it could happen to you, it could happen to me. You never know how life can change. And that's The Take. This
1: episode was produced by Faranisa Campana with Chloe Kaylee, Ashish Malhotra, David Enders, Sonia Bagat, Amy Walters. Khalid Sultan, Miranda Lynn, Zainab Azar, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is the take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.